0: I'm Marcia Reardon. I've been coming to Mansfield Bible Church for 14
1: years, and I have been asked to read the scripture of the day, which is 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 20. For the body does not consist of one member,
0: but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say,
1: Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing?
0: If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts,
1: yet one body. This is the word of the Lord.
2: So I'm Tim Shannon, uh, I've been going to Mansfield Bible for about six, seven years. I've been a part of the greeting team for four or five years and co-leading a class uh, over this last year. And um, serve as part of a greeter, I think that meets um, some of my spiritual gifts. I think that's why we serve is because we've been given gifts to serve one another in the body of Christ. And so, My gift from people who have told me is mercy, and I think being a greeter is a great way for me to greet people, meet people, and sometimes connect with people um, one-on-one that that may be going through something or or need somebody to talk to that day. So it's a a great way to just smile, see smiles, and uh, enjoy enjoy meeting new people. Um, What would I say to somebody that that was looking to serve or, or wanted to serve, even as a greeter or, or in any part of the churches, step out of that uncomfortable zone that you're in to, to, to serve. Whether you know where where you want to serve, start serving in different areas and, and find that out. Find out where you enjoy serving. So um, that's that's what I would encourage people to do is, is step out of the comfort zone. It it, uh, it does take a little extra time, but it's, it's, it's very much worth uh, taking that time to, to serve, to, to serve our brothers and sisters in Christ.
1: Um, my name is Riley Van Bevers. I serve with the youth group, and I've been serving there for about a year and a half now. Um, what serving means to me is basically imitating Christ with my life. In Ephesians 5.1, it says to imitate God. Uh, So that's a huge reason why I serve, um, to imitate what Jesus has done for us when He came to seek and serve the lost. Um, And I also like to serve with the youth group because we are called to be disciple makers. We see that in the Great Commission. Um, And the youth group is such a great way to do that, uh, to work with younger minds, younger, stages of life and just kind of walk them through stages of life that you've already been through um, while pointing them to God and growing together to God. If someone would like to serve either in my area or just in general, I would tell them um, to do it. Serving is not easy, um, but I think that is the beauty of it. It's challenging um, time-wise, it's challenging emotionally and mentally and spiritually, um, but it helps you grow towards Christ, it helps you grow towards God, and it helps you grow others towards God as well.
0: Yeah. I figured the students would have did a cheer when Riley came up or something, y'all, uh, Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's awesome, uh, they've been out there, I know uh, Brady and Riley have been coming a couple of years, probably last year and a half, I guess, is they've been out with the students, uh, really praise God for them, and Tim, I'm glad he identified, like for him, his gift is, is mercy, and uh, man, if you know Tim. You know that well, that he, is, he has a gift of mercy. Uh, he leads uh, him and um, uh, Leslie Clark as well lead the refuge. It's just a group for people who've really gone through some very difficult times. Sometimes it's divorce, uh, death of a loved one, or different things that are going on. And uh, they come into that group, and they just kind of surround and love on them and uh, care for them. So I'm really thankful for those, both of those. And they're not... Um, they're not just in those areas. I know uh, Riley's involved in the women's ministry as well, and Tim not only greeting but leading a small group. And I was so encouraged last week uh, when we got uh, here on Monday. There was a big old stack of of cards, you know, like these that you that you know you all filled out if you're interested or maybe you're already leading. And uh, I think it was like 94. It was around a. We had some more that came up, with close to 100 cards. I was. So excited to that because the reality is, is if we as the body of Christ are serving, we're gonna be healthier as believers in Christ. We're gonna be healthier as the body of Christ, as the people of God being used in this community among the church as we encourage one another, as we exhort one another, as we stimulate one another to love and good works. So it is, uh, it is just an exciting, that's why I'm wearing my shirt again this week, find your place. If you didn't find a place last week, I encourage you to look and find a place. All the tables are set out up out there. You can go talk about to all those folks that are involved in those different areas of ministry to see where you can plug in, where you can be involved, and God can use you in serving him here at Mansfield Bible, uh, in our local community, in local missions, or even in global missions, we, as we have opportunities uh, in other, other places around the world as well. So I'm so thankful uh, for each of you and your willingness to serve, and I look forward to seeing how God uses Mansfield Bible in the days ahead. Amen. So um, let's pray. I, I need to pray this morning. Father God, come before you. Amen, Lord. We uh, we, we, we pray, God, I, 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 I come before you and I approach you in humility in humbleness. You're an amazing God. I, I think of some of those uh, folks last week when we were standing out here and, and so many people just visiting and finding out about where to serve. My heart's excited, not just because there's more people, but because, Father, I know the impact of your people when we step out in faith and we begin to serve. And God, the transformations to grow up in Christ Jesus, to step out and to see, Father, you work, and by faith, trust in you to use us in a special way. God, uh, I pray that this morning. I pray this morning that, Father, you would speak to your people. That, Father, we would know and walk after you in all of our ways. That, Father, we would know your truth, the soundness of the truth of your word as it applies to our lives. That we would not, Father, walk in darkness, but we would walk in the truth and the light of your word. Father, go past all of my inabilities, my my own iniquities, my own sins and shortcomings, and Father, speak to us, your people, that we may not, Father, be a people who walk in darkness or blindness, but we will walk in the light of your truth. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So this morning, we're going to continue our study, and we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So this morning... Uh, when we go, when anybody hears First Corinthians 12, 13, or 14, you're, you're automatically thinking spiritual gifts, right? And so this morning, my goal isn't to talk about or to define or tell you how to find your spiritual gift. My goal this morning is for us to understand the purpose and the function of gifts within the body. In other words, how God has gifted us. I, I see this on our staff. And so this morning, I wanted to take a minute, a little bit, just to talk about our staff, because uh, not that long ago, we were in COVID, and just like everybody else, COVID had a great impact on our church. Uh, we, we went through a, a difficult time. We had uh, staff members who uh, got other jobs or, or retired or different things that stepped out, and we didn't replace them because we were trying to be frugal and wise through that time, not knowing what the f- future would hold, simply trusting the Lord, but to be wise with that which God had given us. And so in that time, as we went through, it was about, I guess, a little over a year ago where Greg Buckles, who founded our church, uh, came and talked to you about making a role change, that he was moving to founding pastor and I was moving into the lead pastor role. And and that, again, created all kinds of fun stuff for our staff, if you asked them, I'm sure they would share, because we were trying to figure this out. We uh, we have a staff that is multi-gifted, uh, lots of talent, uh, sees things differently. We all are not uh, the same, but we have different, different gifts. And so uh, Donna started being that person when we had a, something broken around here. She would, she's very organized, and she would call and set up appointments and do all that. Uh, Alan and Jared and Fatima and the other staff, they would, man, they jumped in and just help wherever possible, whenever, whenever possible. In this process, a little over a year ago, God brought within our body, uh, Ashley came along, and Ashley began to, um, I thought you were, oh, there she is, I, I saw her a minute ago. Ashley began to join our, our praise team, and over time, she is now our worship leader. She And she does a fantastic job, doesn't she? I mean, if you're on the praise team, you all enjoy her, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so one of the things in regards to her taking over the worship was also to free up Matt. Uh, I've been uh, asking for this for a while, but it took time. So Matt, you're not going to see him necessarily on the worship team as much as you once did. Matt is kind of moving into the role that I had Before more of our executive role uh, as as our executive pastor. He's going to be overseeing a lot of those things. So he's becoming our, you know, like the break the glass emergency guy in our worship. But God has blessed us with so many on the praise team that it's been able to free him up that we might be able to lead in these other areas. I'm really thankful for Matt. I'm thankful for Matt because... He doesn't see things the same way that I do. And he's a processor. I like to kick down doors and just go, you know. And Matt's like, hey, hang on. That's what Greg and I did for each other for all these years. So I'm looking forward to how God would use him in the days ahead in our church. And so this is all going to start on September 1st, so you know. So that means when you come up to me and you have a problem, I'm going to go, hey, go see Matt. You know, I'm not. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that, to be honest with you, you know. <laughs> Um, and then, also, one of the things that happened is Greg Buckles moved into this founding pastor role. Uh, there's, there was uncertainty. Well, what does that mean? What does that look like? What, is it, what are we talking about here? Well, we had to figure that out, too. And over the last year, through much prayer and work and, and direction and, and testing some things, we've kind of come to some direction where he's going. He's, he's where he has been going, actually. One of the things a lot of you don't remember or don't know, I wasn't there either, I've just been told this, is that Greg, when he when he went into ministry, he always thought he God would call him to the mission field, that he would be a missionary. Well, he did. It's just God brought him to Mansfield, Texas to start Mansfield Bible Church. But now Greg is having this time where he's having the opportunity to do some things globally as well as locally in regards to missions. And, it, and it's really amazing. He looks like he's getting... Uh, well, we're pretty sure now, I can say with affinity, in November, going to Pakistan to, to train pastors there. How amazing is that? Did you hear what I said? Pakistan. I didn't say, you know, like, uh, you know, South Carolina or something. I'm saying, you know, <laughs> Pakistan, like, you know, the opportunity to go. We still need to raise uh, probably about six or 7000 to make that happen. Is that about right, Greg? Greg? So we need to do that to, to see what God would do. So those that are gifted in giving, did you hear what I just said? So we need to, we need to look at that. Huh? Um, he also has the opportunity to go again to Tanzania in January and potentially next summer as well. I mean, and then in the same time, he's encouraging and we want to encourage Heather. She goes to Ecuador and he's been doing that. He's been helping the uh, the local missions and some of the guys that have had a heart. So it's been really exciting. The other thing that's very obvious with Greg, if you've ever been around Greg, is God has given him a gift of teaching, shepherd teacher, but he's a teacher. He shepherds well as well. And so, And so as we've been looking at this, it's been a heart's desire to see Mansfield Bible Church to become more and more in regards to to teach in the word and instructing and helping people to grow up in their faith and to be not just to not just to um, kind of know stuff but to learn how to live it and it become a part. So he's we've been doing some online studies that kind of started during covid and he's especially hyped up. So if you go to our YouTube website, there's some online studies there as well. I'd encourage you to st- check it out. But one of the things and we're meeting this week is still in the early stages trusting God, but we like to see NBC Institute uh, start. We like to see where we, on a regular basis, have uh, classes and things to tr- instruct in things of basic Christian walk, but also basic theology, as well as church history and how to study the Bible, how to go through the go through studies in, in regards to the scriptures, how to how to be involved in leadership, and so we have a we have a grand vision. We're going to trust God to take us in, along the way's steps. So he's been a part of that as well. So we're really excited about what God has. Plus, there's several other things that Greg's doing, because Greg's always going to be doing. But God has blessed us with a lot, of, a lot of good teachers here at Mansfield Bible, and we hope to take advantage of it. So even within our body, we have our, in our staff, we, we see different gifts and different things that are happening. Well, if you expand that out, that's true in our deacon and our elders, and that's true in the whole body. So this morning as we look at the scriptures, as we go to 1 Corinthians 12, I wanted to give you a vision of what Paul is instructing in that chapter in 1 Corinthians to the function and the purpose of those that have been gifted, that, which if you know Jesus Christ and you've received it into your life, you're one of those gifted because everyone, each one, as the scripture teaches us. So we want to look at that this morning. If you will, take your Bibles Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we want to look. We're going to look at verse 1. We're going to get to the passage that Marcia read so well this morning, but we want to start in verse 1. I want you to kind of see. I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So right off the bat, Paul comes out and he says, now concerning spiritual gifts, there's something here when you talk about uh, the gifts or spiritual gifts, most of the time we're talking what we call grace gifts, okay? And there's a specific Greek word for the grace gifts, but here that's not the word that's used. The word that is used is, is spiritual, it's referring to Spiritual matters, which is really important, because when you look at the Church at Corinth, they—in fact, it's in Chapter One, I believe, Verse Seven—the uh, Apostle Paul says, "Hey, they didn't fall behind on anybody in the gifts." Now, I think he's being a little sarcastic there, but nevertheless, he's making that recognition. That in this area, so he's, he's not using the word spiritual gifts or grace gifts. He's using the word spiritual. So in the spiritual world, in the spiritual matters of the church, what do these spiritual gifts look like? And so then he says to them, I, don't, I do not want you to be uninformed. Now, some of you are looking at your Bibles, and it says, I do not want you to be ignorant. Um, The idea there is just uninformed, not understanding, not uninformed in regards to the spiritual gifts, but uninformed as to their purpose and their function within the body of Christ is what I think he's saying there as it relates to the spiritual matters. So one of the things you have to realize as we look at that, it sounds like he's being harsh here, but he's also writing to a church that needs correction. There's some things we know about the church at Corinth. We know that Paul led them to Jesus. We know that. We know that he was there for 18 months and he had to teach the milk of the word or the basis of the word rather than the meat of the word because they weren't ready for it. So he was teaching them those things. We know in chapter nine that some of them were attacking Paul. They were attacking his apostleship. They were questioning it. They were questioning his pay and how he was paid. In chapters four verses ten to sixteen, but especially verse fourteen, there was biting words there, there was satire, kind of a kind of comments in the way so the relationship and what's going on in, in, in Corinth was a little different than what we would see in some of our other letters also the Corinth church, Corinthian church thought they they had gone beyond and were above or more spiritual than Paul. Uh, they would refer to Paul as Being weak, but they were strong. And some of the comments that Paul makes in chapter four of their comments about him that Paul was really kind of stupid, if you would, and they were wise because of their experiences. They have figured they've gone beyond Paul, and some of that came out in the way that they were making their comments. In chapter four, we see them puffed up, Uh, they were proud. We see them in chapter 5. We see there was immorality in the church. You had a son-in-law sleeping with his mother-in-law, and the church knew about it, and they weren't addressing it. Uh, There was a lot of immaturity in the church. You can see in chapters 1 through 4, there was divisions among them. In chapter 11, when they had their love feast, and the food was to go to the poor, the wealthy were coming in and eating it all up, so there was none for the poor. There was a lot of immaturity going on in the church. This is one of the reasons why if you grew up Southern Baptist, you know, some of the Baptists like to name their churches after some of the Bible, you know, like Smyrna Baptist Church or whatever. But you don't see any Corinthian Baptist churches or Corinthian Bible churches. The model isn't really a great model in in how to function as a church because of immaturity. There's something else you think you need, I think you need to understand. That within this church, there was a lot of spiritual gifts going on, but there was a lack of maturity. And it's really important to understand just because there's a spiritual gift doesn't signify maturity. I also say this because sometimes we think and we worry that, oh, if I don't have this, I'm missing out. And I don't like that. I never have. My parents uh, believed that. And I struggled that often, with that often in my conversations with them. Because my problem is, has Jesus done any more than what I need? What does it say in in 2 Peter chapter one? That he's given us everything we need, right? For life and for godliness. And when people teach us that we need more to experience Christ, I say we don't need more than what we've already got. Okay, this is me being a little side note here, okay? So hang on for a minute, put in your seatbelt. We don't need any more. You know what we need? We need to learn to walk by faith what Christ has already given us, that we walk in the power of his grace and the power of his might, because he's already given us all we need. We, we, we are told that if we what? If we stand against our adversary, if we resist him, what does he do? Come on, what does he do? He flees. Why? Because we've already been given everything we need. So don't fall for that. Now, is it important that we... Am I saying that gifts aren't important? I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that as you walk after God and as you walk in him and the spirit of God teaches you his word and the spirit of God teaches you those things and begins to mold you to be more and more like his son that you will experience his, all that he's ever intended for you. Paul goes on he not only said in verse one that they were uninformed but in verse two he calls them pagans. Some of your translations might say Gentiles. Sometimes when the Jew made that reference of a Gentile, they saw Gentiles as lower class. Some even saw them as equal to dogs. It was not a comment made in light of their uh, standing, but just as as really in a way as a jab as he reminds them from where they came and that they were led astray. It's the same word of using of a prisoner who's been, is being led away to prison or someone who's been swept off their feet. It's that kind of a picture. And then I like the last one. Mine says mute idols. Some of yours say dumb. It doesn't mean dumb and intelligent. It just means they don't talk. It wasn't these idols that led them astray because they didn't talk. They couldn't talk, but they were led astray. They were swept off by their feet. And I like the very very last phrase of chapter 2 when he says, however you were led. And I think Paul's implying he doesn't really understand how they were led astray by these mute idols. Paul is correcting issues in the Corinthian church as it relates to the function of gifts in that church. It's important for us to understand that. If we are going to be a church that finds our place and understands the power of God and the working of God in our lives as we serve him, we need to understand those functions. That's why I like that last phrase, or that last uh, verse 3 in the last part of it, or first part where he says, Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is a curse, and no one can say Jesus is the Lord except in the Holy Spirit. He's not saying a curse like cursing Jesus. He's talking about, in fact, that word a curse literally means to demean or to make, to, to make lower or to, to bring down. And so the emphasis is, is on the focus on who Jesus is. It's about who he is and how he works in our lives. And so the picture becomes that as Jesus, as the Holy Spirit works in our lives, Jesus becomes the focus and you can't do that without the Holy Spirit, just as you can't bring him down with the Holy Spirit. When I was, um, when I was in the big church I was at, when I was in high school, they, uh, they had multiple plays. I mean, huge plays. We had a big stage. Had two balconies and all that. And so I couldn't sing, so I, couldn't, I never could sing, so I couldn't be part of that. Wasn't a very good actor, so I couldn't do that. Um, there, was, there was just lots of things I couldn't do, so they, but I wanted to serve, and so they found a place for me, and it was on this light. Now, today, we have these little motors that can move the lights, but when we had to do lights for plays, this thing was like that long, and, you know, you put your arms, you couldn't even put your arms all the way around, you wrap a towel because the thing get hot, and so you had to learn how to grab a hold of this thing and move it. You, you had to learn not to breathe, not literally, you had to kind of breathe through your nose, because... You do that, you know what the light does? You know what the audience sees? They don't see the actor, they're watching the light bounce across the stage. If you've ever seen that, you know what that's like. You know what I'm talking about, right? So it's the same picture. Just as my job was to highlight the actor, not to draw attention to the light, the Holy Spirit's job is to point us to Jesus. And as Jesus is enlightened, as we understand Jesus, we elevate him And you can't do that without the Holy Spirit. There's people who can go, hey, Jesus is great and all that, but their actions are going to betray them. But as Jesus becomes a priority in our lives, it's only possible through the Holy Spirit. And as Jesus becomes less, listen to this, people, as Jesus becomes less and less important in our lives, that's only possible without the work of the Holy Spirit. It isn't the Holy Spirit that makes him less and less in our lives. And so Paul's wanting us to understand that. So when he walks into verse 4 and he gives us instruction here, he says, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all. Notice these words, in everyone. He's talking about believers. He's talking about the church. That he empowers all of them. So when you talk about a variety of gifts, there's, there's a, uh, uh, a difference in the gifts. There's multiple gifts, but it's the same spirit. And we're going to find in a minute who distributes those gifts. There's multiple opportunities for service, and, and then sometimes that word ministries is used there. It's that idea where ministries are given. As you have the gift, you're given ministries, and Paul refers to that in Ephesians chapter three, uh, uh, verses two and verses seven and eight, I mentioned it last week when he talked about the, the God's grace, the gift of uh, the grace gifts that are given to him to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. He saw that as as that ministry that God had given him that he was going to be faithful to do. And then he says variety of activities and. That word there can be operation or energy of that, of that service that God gives, that God is energizing and he's bringing about the outcome in us as we faithfully serve him, as we walk after the spirit. So I love this because what it does is it brings all three parts of the Godhead, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're involved in the working of the body, in the function of the body, and the purpose of the body, working in us to bring about. That's why he says the last part, God who, who empowers them all in every one. So when you look at the verse 7, he says, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. He's talking about the outworking of what God is doing in the spiritual gifts That is for the common good of the body. The purpose of the gifts is for the body. That's why when we have an issue, when we're talking about gifts and the focus is all about self, I know it's not a movement of the Holy Spirit because it's God that works in the body for the good of the body. I was trying to think of illustrations to to try to demonstrate this and I, I was trying to think of one that we all could relate to. And I didn't warn him, so he'll just have to suffer with it. But, um, you know, I think about Greg Buckles. All right? He went off to college, wasn't looking for God. God, by his grace, spoke to him. The gospel was shared. He received Christ into his life. What happened when he received Christ into his life? He was, he was born again, right? And God took him and placed him in the body of Christ. And God gifted him. I believe with teaching, a shepherd teacher, gifted him within the body. And as opportunity came, he got part of discipleship and began to disciple, learning how to teach, took a job up here in Arlington, began to get involved in a church, began teaching. As he began to teach and use his gift, God began to continue to bless him. He thought he was going to the mission field, and God Gave him an opportunity by this church to go to Mansfield, Texas and start a a church. What did he do? He came to Mansfield, Texas. Stepping out by faith, The, the energy of God and the operation of God working within his gift as he saw fit God placing him. And so his faithfulness to do that which God empowered him to do as he began to teach, guess what? People came to Christ. People started coming, and Mansfield Bible Church began to grow. The outreach of Mansfield Bible began to grow. Other lives were touched, and it continued to grow. That is the operation of God working through a servant who yielded himself to God to do that which God gifted him to. Do you see it? It's no different than, and I won't do this guy because he would probably get me later, but. There's another guy. I, I, I've been watching God work in his life over the last year. Saw a need in our community to build wheelchair ramps. Stepped out. Gift of helps, gift of mercy. Stepped out. God began to use. You know what? There's people that have wheelchair ramps in our community who no way can afford it. Reflecting Jesus and who he is. I can, I can go on like this. I can... I can think of some of the ladies that have been involved who rose up and just started a discipleship program, and how it impacted others in our church. I can talk about those who, by God's grace, because God has gifted them, they give within the church for the outworking of the body of Christ in ministry that we might be able to help others to and and as well do other ministries. Do I need to keep going? Because every one of you in this room right now has a gift that God has intended within the body of Christ if you have received Christ into your life and the outworking of that within the body of Christ. And if you're not doing it, you're hurting the body of Christ. Needless to say about who might be the priority of your life. Because as I understand it, as the Spirit works in our life, Christ becomes more preeminent in our life. He becomes more of the priority of our life. And that's why Paul continues in verses 8 through 10, and he describes how gifts are distributed. He's describing how the Spirit goes about distributing the gifts. And you look at verse 11. Sorry, I'm super dry this morning. Verse 11, it says... All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually. In other words, he gives us individually. How? Because we all send in our little requests. Well, I like this gift. I would like this gift. If I can't get that one, I would like this one. If I don't get that one, can I have this one? Is that how it happens? It says, as he wills. You want to know the will of God for your life? Start serving. Start seeing how God is using you within the body of Christ. And the Holy spirit oversees those gifts and the distribution of them. So when Paul walks into chapter, or verse 12 of this chapter, he's now describing the body, and he's given us some very practical implications within the body of how the gifting is to relate with one another. In verse, in verse 12, he says, For just as the body is one... And has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body Jews and Greeks, slave and free, and all were made to drink of the spirit. Now, what's he saying here? He's saying, when you receive Christ in your life, you are placed into the body of Christ. I know there's other doctrine and people out there that teach other things, but the picture is when you receive Christ, You are baptized, and that word baptized is used even of a ship, like at the bottom of sea. You're engulfed or you're placed into the body of Christ. And we all have the same spirit. I love this picture of the body because because that doesn't mean there's a different class of believers within the body of Christ. Just because I'm here standing here preaching, I'm no different than any of you. It only means simply that God gifted me for this. I'm no different. I'm no different. You hang around me long enough, I'll take you off just like anybody else might. And it's part of the process of growing in our faith and the unity of the body. And God placed us in the body. He placed every one of you who know Jesus Christ and have received him into your life, he's placed every one of you in the body of Christ, to function within the body. And when we don't function within the body, we're missing out on our spiritual growth and we're missing out on the opportunity to watch what God can do. The passage that Marsha read this morning, verses 14 through 17, well, she went down to 18, but I just wanna go through 17 for a second. For the body does not consist of of one member, but many, if the foot should say, "Because I am not, the, not a hand, I do not belong to the body," that would not make it, le- make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, "Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, there would be, where would there be this sense of hearing? If the whole body were, were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? Okay? So he's drawn out this picture, and I've thought about this. I was, I was thinking about this not too long ago, and and again. So I I look at here, and I look at my foot this morning. Right, it's all wrapped in a nice smelly sock this morning, inside a nice smelly shoe, and it carries me everywhere I want to go. That's uh, probably not an easy job. And then it looks at the hand. You know, the hand's free. You know, have you ever thought about it? There's very little that you do that your hand isn't involved. You know, hands and the foot looks up there and he goes, man, I got, I got the raw end of this deal, didn't I? You know? Or, I mean, think about, you know, the eyes. You know, like a little girl, just a young girl, You look in the eye and go, oh, you got such beautiful eyes. How beautiful. What do we say about ears? They're either too big or they're dirty. It's one or the other. <laughs> right? The ear goes, man, why didn't I be an eye? When I was in the restaurant business, I would have these restaurants and and multiple multiple times I would look at, because you'd have a restaurant where, man, they did an awesome job in the way that they cleaned their store. And then I have this other restaurant where, man, I'm getting the numbers that I need out of the store, but it's not very clean. So a lot of times I would go and I'd look and I'd go, okay, I'm going to take this manager and I'm going to put over here, because they could use some help with the numbers, put them over here and take one of these managers and put them over there. And I always sit down with everybody beforehand. I'd say, "Hey, look. Now, when you go into this situation, I understand there's some cleaning problems or there's some number problems. Just want you to know that. But that's why I'm moving you there because I want you to be a part of making it a success within the group. But more times than not, what happened? The cleaning people go, "Oh, they don't clean. They're just I'm the only one that cleans." And the numbers people are like. Hey, why don't they know how to do the numbers, right? Every time I come in, they always got the numbers wrong where they don't finish them. And and they just start biting at each other. And you go over here to this team and, you know, it's the other other side of the coin. They're just bickering back and forth. And I'd have to go in and I'd sit down and I'd say, hey, look, hey, I brought you over here for this purpose. This is what you're doing in this store. And these others are going to learn, but you've got to respect what they're doing. And I go, you've got to respect what they're doing. Because I need you all in order to accomplish. And when I got a team that understood that and respected the strengths and the weaknesses of each other, man, I always had a great store. It was awesome. It made my life so much easier. Well, that's how the church is. God has gifted us. And he's gifted us to work within the body. And sometimes we can do the same thing. We, we go, well, <clears throat> you know, I don't, nobody saw what I did, and and we start looking, and we start feeling upset or hurt, what do we do? We cut off. The church is divided, because you know what we're doing? We're not depending on the sovereign choice of God to place us as he sees fit within the body. That's why it takes a humble and contrite heart to approach our God. It's important to understand that. And what gives balance is in verse 18 when he says, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, listen to this, each one of them, every one, not some, every one of them, as he chose. Done. There's no more discussion. The next discussion is where do I serve to start finding out where God's placed me? Verse 19 says, if we, were all, if we were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. You see, in verse 11, we saw the, in that section, we saw the sovereignty of the provision of the gift, that the Spirit gives each one the gift as he sees fit. In verse 18, we see the provision of the ministry of the gift, that everyone has a place. There's so many times where it's in the past, I know Greg and I have talked about this many times, someone come up, boy, our church needs fill in the blank. And we go, well, is God leading you to do it? Oh, no, no, that's somebody else, right? That's what we always do. Everybody can, everybody's a critic, nobody, and that's another statement. That's a whole other message maybe, I don't know. But <clears throat> we do that, we fill that in, right? And we say, well, God lead, well if God hasn't raised up the person, we're not doing it. Because, see, I believe that God gives us everything we need within this body, within this church, within this room. What we need to accomplish exactly what God has called Mansfield Bible Church to do. And if we're not doing it, it's not God's fault. It's not your neighbor's fault. It might be you. Because you need every part to be a part within the body, the function within the body, that we all would do that which God has called us to do. It's important that as we've had this series that we understand that we need to find our place, that no one is left out of God's plan for the church. Do you hear that? No one is left out. You're not left out. You may be sitting there and listening to the adversary our own, our, own, our own adversary that we have that wants to take us down spiritually that we would never see the power of God in our lives, you might be listening to him thinking, I can't do anything. I'm, who am I? And yet it's those, those ones, if you go on in the rest of the passage, I won't keep here past lunch, too much past lunch at least. If you read the rest of the passage, you would see that God values the ones that we would consider Lesser the ones that don't always everybody see, that God values them and we need to value them. That's why it's important as a church, we value the gifts that God has given us and the place that he has put us. And if you see something, it may be that God's prodding your heart to be part of the solution and how how he wants to work in you within the body of Christ. How beautiful would that be? I mean, is our community, are we... Ready to see the outpouring of God in such a way that when we are willing and humble and of, of a contrite heart, that we accept where God has places and allow Him to use us for His glory. Where we don't come with our or with our agendas, with our ways, but we make Christ priority in our lives because the Holy Spirit's work in us within the body of Christ. Maybe then the world doesn't see a church that is fighting or divided or hurtful or hateful. But he sees, they see a church that is united by the spirit of God that dwells in every one of them, humbled before their God, serving their God as he places each one. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, uh, I just pray you'd speak to us Lord I, I have to confess I think every time every time I preach I always just I just cry out and hope and trust that you would speak to your people I pray we are not entertained but that Father your spirit moves in such a way that Father we, we are never comfortable where we're at for you have so much more for us whether it's whether it's growing in spiritually, maybe, maybe in discipleship, or maybe in in a, in a small group, and Father, yeah, let us continue to grow, but also, Father, let us to learn how to step out by faith, trusting you to use us in ways that we never thought about. Some of us, Father, we know our gifts. We know we're 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 teachers, where we're encouragers, where that we're people who have been gifted with helps or mercy and father some we may not may not know Just father encourage them to step out as they serve I know that you will lead them you will direct them you've been faithful every step of the way in my life and many others just guide us father may your spirit move and work in our hearts and our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen.